Listen, we are uh, doing a series called Countdown to Christmas, and uh, it has everything to do with the fact that not, uh, not just like, hey, we're excited about Christmas morning and all that comes with that, but um, just this idea of Advent. And Advent is um, kind of a term that we use in the church specifically for um, this idea of waiting on Jesus to come back. And remember we said last week, if you were here, that back in those days when Jesus was born, there was kind of a waiting for this Messiah to come for the first time. And they didn't exactly know how he was going to show up on the scene. They kind of thought that it was going to be someone strong and powerful and kind of like a presidential candidate that we're going to like vote for and get behind and all this kind of stuff. But it really uh, was kind of a game changer that he came as a baby in, um, and we, we say manger, and manger is a cute word for a, like a feeding trough in a barn. Um, and so there's nothing special really about the way he was born um, as it relates to what people were expecting. They were exper- expecting kind of a, a prominent king to show up. And so when we think about Jesus coming back now in, in 2021, we're celebrating Christmas that happened, you know, 2,000 some odd years ago. Uh, but now we're kind of in this phase as Christians, and, and maybe this is news to some of you in the room that maybe, maybe you're new to church, which, by the way, we are so glad you're here. If you're new to church or if you've been in church all your whole life, like, we love that you're here. Uh, but at, in the church, what we learn about in, in Scripture is that God is going to come back one day. Jesus is going to come back one day, and he is going to take his church, and that is going to be kind of the, the end of things. And he is going to make war against evil, and with one swipe of a sword, um, he's going to end things, you know, um, and, it's, and it's amazing. But <clears throat> we are still in this moment of, like, we, we have Jesus in our kind of past um, and we know that Jesus is in our future, but he's just not here yet. And what we are aware of is that all throughout the New Testament, this is crazy. All throughout the New Testament, the authors of the New Testament books and the disciples that followed Jesus and the apostles that launched the church said this one thing over and over again. We know he's coming back soon. We know he's coming back soon. Now, soon in your world is like, so tomorrow, right? Kind of like, you put something in the microwave and you're like, it'll be done soon, you know, and that's your world. But in our world or in the world of eternity, soon might be, you know, in 2,000 years. It might be in 4,000. We don't know. But we know that Jesus has promised to come back soon. So what we said last week was that there's hope in that, right? And for those of us that have not placed our faith in Jesus, you remember what we said about, I said something very kind of, some people would call it judgmental or harsh. Does anybody remember what I said? It's hopeless if you don't have Jesus. It's hopeless. Meaning that if this, um, this earth that you're walking around in, if you're not a Christian, then this is um, the closest to heaven that you'll ever be. Because when you die, you'll be separated from Jesus forever in eternity. Right? I know that's, that's crazy right up front. It's like, I thought this was a Christmas series. We're supposed to be all happy. Well, I'm, I'm delivering some truth to you, okay? I'll be honest with you. Um, and, and what we said about Christians, do we remember what we said about Christians? This is as close to what? Hell. Ah, you were listening. Awesome. So, yeah, this is as close to hell as it, because there's all kinds of craziness going on around us. And so what we said last week is that it's tough to have hope. Isn't it? Don't you feel that sometimes? Like, it is tough to have hope when you're looking around the world at everything that's wrong with this world. And you're like, man, I just don't know. I just don't know if I believe. I just don't know if I can trust. 
I just don't know if I have hope. And what we said last week was, man, Jesus changed everything. He brought hope. So today, specifically, we want to talk about that element of peace, that element of peace. And when you think about peace, um, which I think it's hilarious that my, um, my seven-year-old, um, who knows my seven-year-old Cohen? You met my seven-year-old? Okay. So he is uh, like the most adult seven-year-old I've ever met in my life. Uh, and, and, and so he now, when he gets on like FaceTime calls with his buddies, because he's seven, and he gets on FaceTime calls with his buddies, um, he ends his calls with peace, and then he clicks it off. And I'm like, who is this little gangster we're raising in our, in our home right now? Uh, but he's like, he like, he even said it, and then he looked at us like, you know I'm cool. And then he walked away. Like, he's full of sass and energy and uh, attitude. So, but this attitude of peace, though, when you think about it, um, I think that sometimes the Christmas season can be lacking peace. Here's what I love about Christmas. I love the expectation. I love, I do love the presence. We said last week, like, it's okay to be excited about the presence. Now, we don't want the presence to be the main thing, but my, for sure, be excited about gifts. Like, gifts are a thing from the Lord, and that's good. Um, I love the traditions. I love that. Has anyone got like traditions in your home that you're like, man, I look forward to this every time. We watch the same movie every Christmas Eve or we go out to eat at the same restaurant like the two days before Christmas or, you know, like, yeah, those are great. You can put your hands down. We would sp spend all night listing those traditions if we did. And they're all amazing. And I just trust that they're, they're all awesome. But um, all those things are awesome. And those things can tend to give you peace or like a sense of peace. But isn't it interesting, I want you to follow me, follow me here. Um, there are things, there are times in your world when you feel at peace. Does anyone want, just want to shout out, not like a whole dissertation, but like maybe a word or a phrase of the things that make you feel at peace? Like what is it, when, when do you feel at peace? When you're climbing something, okay. Anybody? Yeah? When you're with your family, that's awesome. Next Sleep, okay, yeah, that's good. Man, God ordained naps, and I love that, yeah. I can't hear you. Making artsy things, yeah. When you hear nothing, yeah, I agree with that. Listening to music, yeah. Anybody else, am I missing anybody? Yeah. Sleeping in a hammock, and the weather is like just perfect being surrounded with the things you like. Yeah, like those are all moments where you have like a sense of peace. Now, how would you define peace? Anyone want to shout just an idea out? Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Say that again. Free from worry, that's good. It'll come back to you. You're smart. That's right. We'll come back to you if you. Yeah? Yeah, in harmony. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm like a, a personality type that, like, when people are not at harmony, I, what, I feel like at chaos. I feel like chaos. Yeah, yeah? Yeah, that's good. So, peace. Um, would you say, like, that you are pursuing peace? You know what pursue means? Huh? Go after, yeah. Like, I want this, and I am trying to acquire peace. 
Who would say like, yeah, like I'm looking for forms of peace in my life? Oh, see, I know you are. Because what do you do when you get stressed out? Yeah, you're, so you try to be peaceful, but specifically like, what are some of the things you do to try to calm down? Like those things maybe? Does anybody just like, I need to take a walk. I need to go running. Yeah? You go to sleep. Okay, lots of sleep going on back in the back row, yeah? No, yeah, no, that's great. Getting away from what's making you stressed. Climb, hold on. <laughs> I just want the world to know I have another one. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, who is that? Is that Junior? Okay. Yeah, those, en- those endorphins are good for you. Yeah. I can't hear, yeah. Pet your dog. Okay. We got to do a couple of these real quick. Get the work. Okay. Breathe. Yeah. So honestly, that's like really great. Yeah. Watch something. Okay. Yeah. Who? So this is what I was waiting to hear. Eli, that's such a great answer. Who's like runs straight to Netflix and just like, let me binge something and just forget about life. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Or YouTube. Yeah. Sure. So here's what I think is interesting. As, as I've been thinking through the things that we're talking about, and I want, you to, I want you to listen to this. Who remembers a couple weeks ago? You may not have been here, and that's okay, but we talked about guilt. Does anybody remember the night we talked about guilt? You might be uh, reminded um, I brought Eli up here, and he was carrying a bunch of things. Do you remember that night? Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, so check this out. So, so we, we used a phrase big guilt and little guilt. Do you remember that? So little guilt is kind of like, man, I did something wrong, I said something wrong, and I need to apologize for it. And after that apology, there's like a, okay, you feel better. But then the big guilt, does anybody remember what we talked about big guilt was? You don't have to like explain it. So big guilt is essentially this moment where you've got to realize that the sin in our life brings us guilt and, and, and brings us in opposition with God. And so all of us were born... And if you want to fight me about this later because you don't agree with me, that's fine. We can talk, good debate. But it's pretty clear that, like, we're all born with sin in our lives. Like, because we all make selfish decisions. We all do things to hurt other people. And at our best, we might do some things that are good every once in a while. But at our, at our core, Scripture says that our heart, check this out, is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. <laughs> Some of you are like, this is not a very encouraging Christmas series. I just don't follow. So here's the thing. The same thing is true about, I think, about little peace and big peace. Little peace is kind of some of those like, man, I'm stressed out because of finals. Who is stressed out because of finals? Yes, I feel you. I, I, don't, I, I don't envy you, okay? That's what's tough about the Christmas season as you get older, especially in college, because in college you have finals. Yaz can uh, testify. Um, and, and college finals are like for real no joke. Like they're crazy stressful. And I, I think one of my favorite memories in college was literally um, driving home after finals in, this, uh, in the winter or at, like the beginning of summer because there's just like a, ah, I'm done. I'm out from under all that stress and like it feels so good to be done with that. And that like peace is not eternal, is it? Okay, so let's do it this way. You have a fight with a friend. 
And then you're like stressed about it, stressed about it. You see each other in the hallway and you don't say anything. You don't know like who's going to say something first. You both think that the other person should apologize. And so neither one of you says anything. You're both icing each other out. And like this, just, this thing just festers. Some of you are just like, I feel you right now. And I'm so stressed out because I'm living this. Um, and there's this moment where you reconcile and you're, you both talk and you're like, well, you said this. And you're like, I've never said that. You said this about me. And I said, I never said that. And you're like, what have we been fighting for? You know, and, and then you have this reconciliation. And then what happens? There's peace in the friendship again. Is that eternal peace? Is that big peace or is that like little peace? That's little peace. That's little peace. It's great. It's great, okay? You get a bad test on, a uh, bad test grade, and then you bring your test, uh, your, you bring your grade up because you got uh, good grades in your next two tests. Big piece, little piece. It's little piece. Grades are important. But what I'm talking about is the peace that you feel um, that is internal and where anything can happen in your world and your inner peace is like not shaken. Here's the way I word it, uh, the way I think of it in my mind. Inside of like your soul, inside of your brain and your heart, your soul, like all the stuff that's just kind of in you, not the organs. I'm not talking about like my beating heart. I'm saying like inside, it's not choppy, stormy waters. It's like calm, still waters. Right, Because you know what it's like to feel stormy inside, and you know what it feels like. But the, like, that moment when you're in the hammock, and the weather's perfect, and it feels good, like there is something about good weather that just makes me be in a really good mood. And that peace that comes from that is great, but is that big peace or little peace? So this plays on with this idea of big guilt and little guilt. So big guilt is this thing that's hanging over us that honestly, if I can just be real with you, every single one of us, we said, is born with sin, separated from God. But some of us in here have made the decision to surrender to Jesus and put our faith in him. And what we would say is that big guilt has been wiped away. And what we would say is you have big what? Peace. You have peace with God. Do you know what you don't have with God until that moment? You do not have peace or specifically big piece. You are actually an enemy. Scripture says this. This is not Mark talking on stage right now. Scripture says that we are actually God's enemy until we decide to find ourselves surrendering to him, placing our faith in him. That is what the scripture says about everybody. And there's some big misunderstanding that Christians like to be judgmental and think they're better than other people. I think the opposite. I think that Christians, if we would just learn how to maybe speak with kindness, we would be able to say something simple like, no, 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 like, I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, we're all on the same level playing field. It's not us versus them. There's not good people versus bad people. There's everyone down here that's bad, and then there's Jesus. He's on the good team. It's just it's just one slash three because there's a trinity and there's one and there's that like Father, Son, Holy Spirit thing. But like Jesus is the only one on the good team. Christians, hear me. You are not like on some us versus them, good team versus bad team. Now, I know you may be thinking like, well, my sin has been paid for, so I'm not on, on the good team. I want you to think you are born with sin and that sin may be paid for, but we've got to end this kind of like fighting between each other of like, well, I'm a Christian and you're a non-Christian, so I'm kind of good and you're kind of bad. What we want to learn about this is that we're all on the level playing field. We're all on a level playing field. Now, Jesus brought peace. What did we call him? The prince of what? 
the Prince of Peace. So I'm going to show you some scripture. This happened before he was born, when he was born, and after he was born, actually after he died and rose again. Okay, so we're going to, we're going to, uh, actually right before he died and rose again. So Isaiah 9, 6 is like this super familiar verse. And this is in the Old Testament. This is before Jesus is born. This is before things go silent. Did you know between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there was this period of 400 years where God said nothing. He said nothing. 400 years. Do that math in your head. Think about how many children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren you have to have for 400 years to take place where God said nothing for a few generations. That happened in the Old Testament. You know why we know that? Because <laughs> we don't have anything recorded. We have all this stuff recorded in the Old Testament about what God said. We have all this stuff recorded in the New Testament about what God said. But there's this intertestamental, meaning between the Old Testament and the New Testament, 400-year period where he said nothing. And before that, right before that period ends, Isaiah comes out and says, there's good news. There's good news. Can we put Isaiah 9, chapter 6, uh, 9, verse 6? For to us a child is born. And I know you're like, I've heard this verse. Don't tune me out. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Had he been born yet? No, this is crazy, guys. So this is the kind of trust that Isaiah had in God. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Now, we hear that every single Christmas season. But we're just going to focus on that, that peace part tonight. Why is he the Prince of Peace? What would he go on to do? He would purchase our peace on the cross when he died. Now, this is how, again, how much trust Isaiah had in what God was going to do because he hadn't even been born yet. But he was the prince of peace, something that we would all need because what we knew is that without Jesus shedding his blood, without that full final sacrifice, we would be enemies of God. But if you've placed your faith in Jesus, the prince of peace, you have peace with God. Like big peace. This is incredible. Luke 2, 14, this is obviously like the moment that Jesus was born. Um, if we could put that up on the screens, this is like the Christmas story. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace. <laughs> Read that verse with real critical eyes. Are you reading what I'm reading? All of a sudden, Mark's not so judgmental. Mark's not being so rude about Christians and non-Christians. Peace to who? On whom his favor rests. Who, what is his favor? His friendship, his blessing, his, his relationship. Guys, I don't want you to miss this. I know it is like crazy. It's like a sin to go out there. No, I don't want to use the word sin. It's like a we're breaking a cultural rule when you tell people that they need Jesus for salvation or they're going to hell. And again, Mark's not saying it. Scripture is saying, peace to those on who his favor rests. And I don't want you to think this is some spooky, like, ooh, he just kind of sprinkled some fairy dust on some people and then not on others. Like his favor is over here, but not this side. Sorry, this side. Just an illustration. I'm sure he loves you. He does love you. Jokes, sorry, moving on. 
So on whom his favor rests. His favor has been given, spoiler alert, to those who have surrendered and placed their faith in him. The Bible's telling the same story across the Old Testament and the New Testament. But for those of us, listen to me, for those of us that do not want anything to do with God, that do want to fall under his identity or his power, his authority, what we would say is, I know better than God and I'm going to do my own life. What I would tell you is, like I said earlier, well, this is as close to heaven as you're ever going to get. Why? Because peace is for those for whom his favor rests. Peace is for those. In fact, I'm at, this verse is not going to be on the screen, but it just kind of popped in my head. I really want to read it to you. I should have put it in the notes, but I didn't. But that's just kind of how God is saving, saving us right now. Romans 5, 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, what does justified mean? Do you guys remember that big theological word? Just, okay, so we don't, just, no, we, yeah, no. So, boom, that's it. Just as if I'd never sinned. So it was kind of like a legal word. Good job. Was that Ainsley? Sorry, I can't see the lights are in my face. Good job. So remember, it's like a legal word, and God as a judge, who is a judge, we're like, only God can judge me. I do what only, like, he's going to judge you. Like, that's going to happen. He has this gavel, and he swings it down, and those who are justified, they get what verdict? Guilty or not guilty? Not guilty. If you've been justified by faith, not guilty. You've placed your faith in Jesus, not guilty. He declared you not guilty. Are you perfect at that point? No, but he declared you not guilty because you placed your faith in him. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all over scripture, this idea of peace. Peace like your favorite song comes on the radio and the weather's perfect and the, the windows are down and like everything's good and you got a good grade. No, that's little peace. That's like fleeting. That's, that's not even peace, that's happiness. You know what the difference between like happiness and joy is? Joy is like this thing that can, that can ride through a storm. Happiness is fleeting and goes away when bad stuff happens. Gosh, this message is all over the Bible. So glory to God in the highest, favor on whom his, uh, sorry, um, what is this? Peace on whom his favor rests. Okay, so don't, don't think this is like some big, like weird mystery. If you want peace, you've got to place your faith, your faith in Jesus. Does life get magically better all of a sudden? No. But you know, that's the magic of it all. Can I just tell you that my life um, is pretty good, but I still go through problems. I still have struggles. But I placed my faith in Jesus when I was like 15, 16 years old. So what that means is I go through trials, I go through struggles, I go through storms. But inside of my soul, don't miss this, it's like still waters. There's peace. You know why? Because I know that I found my identity in Jesus. I'm a son of God. I'm forgiven. I'm chosen. I'm loved. I am friendship with him. I have peace with him. He has saved me. And when all this is over, this is, is closest, closer to hell because I'm going to go to heaven. That's where that peace comes from. That peace means that anything can happen in your life 
and inside of your soul you have peace. Now, I'm not going to have you raise your hand if you've placed your faith in Jesus. You can make that decision on your own. But if you have not placed your faith in Jesus, we give you an, an opportunity to do that at the end of every fuse. If you want to place your faith in Jesus, if you need help understanding what that is, man, it's as simple. It is as simple as saying, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. I recognize that Jesus is the Son of God and then he died on the cross for my sins, and he rose again, defeating sin and death. I want peace. I want my identity to be found in him. I want to place my faith in him. It's, it's a free gift. It's a free gift. And at that point, peace. Big peace. Does it mean everything in the world gets better? No. It means everything in, like, your internal world is at peace with God. And that's Big peace. Just before Jesus is getting ready to, to die on the cross in John uh, chapter 14, he's going to talk about how he's going to be leaving, and the disciples are all really confused. If you remember, they're like, wait, 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 we thought you were the son of God. Like, you're here, you're fixing everything. He's like, no, no, I'm going to die, I'm going to rise again, I'm going to go back to my father, and then I'm going to send who? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is going to be with you. Do you know what the Holy Spirit gives you in times of trouble? Peace! Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So in the busyness of Christmas, and quite honestly, whether it's like relationship struggles or you're stressed out about finals or just whatever's going on in your life, I just want to just maybe encourage you for just a moment. If you've placed your faith in Jesus, just take a second to remember how good God is because he's given us peace. And if you're in here and you're like, listen, I am realizing that I've never placed my faith in Jesus and I desperately need to, I'd invite you to do that tonight. It is simple as praying that prayer. In fact, we're just going to bow our heads for just a moment. We're going to close out. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't give us an opportunity to respond to that. If you're in here and you are like, man, I need to place my faith in Jesus. I'm not messing around with this anymore. It's as simple as a prayer is like this, and you can repeat it in your own heart. Listen, I, me praying for you does not do anything, but you praying this, this prayer sincerely to God, you beginning your relationship with him, means salvation's come to you. It's God, thank you for dying to save me. I want to place my faith in you. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I need salvation. I believe that you're the Son of God and that you died on the cross to save, my, save me from my sins. I place my faith in you now. If you prayed that prayer, I just have to tell you, that's like the best thing in the world, the best decision you could have ever made. With all eyes closed, if I could just have you just slip up your hand if you prayed that prayer for the first time and you want help with that, you just slip up that hand. Awesome. All right, put it down. Now, if you can just keep your eyes closed for just a moment, I just want to help you understand something. For those of us that have placed our faith in Jesus, you have that internal peace and I want you to recognize that, tap into that. Don't be so focused on the external stuff in this world trying to distract you. And if 
if anyone in here has never placed their faith in Jesus and you want to, you have questions maybe. You're like, ah, I just don't know. I am always here if you have questions. These leaders are always here if you have questions, any of the adults in this room. So if you have questions on a Wednesday, on a Sunday, or whatever, you can always ask us. And then if you've made that decision to place your faith in Jesus, the next step for you is to tell the whole church about that through baptism. And so if that's you, maybe you need to take that next step of obedience. I'd love to talk to you about that as well. I'm going to pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for just the students that have placed their faith in Jesus through Fuse and through Houston's First. Lord, I'm, I'm just thankful that like new life is being born. And so God, we just ask that you would help us. Lord, I pray for those of us in the room that have placed their faith in Jesus, but are, they feel like their world is, is stormy waters. Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that we've placed our faith in you and that inside our soul is still waters. We have friendship and peace thanks to you. And Lord, for anyone in here who has questions about what it's like to be a Christian, Lord, I pray that they would be bold enough to ask. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much. It's in your name we pray. Amen.